Today's scripture lesson comes from Acts 13, verses 1 through 4. You can follow along page 8 on your bulletin. The church at Antioch included prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, nicknamed Niger, Lucius from Cyrene, Manaean, a childhood friend of Herod the ruler, and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul to the work I have called them to undertake. After they fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on these two and sent them off. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, David. Normally on a Sunday morning, I have about a, oh, eight or nine pages of notes that I stand on a music stand right here, and I usually try to follow those along for about 20 to 25 minutes. I looked at my watch and said, oh my, if I keep you for 25 minutes, most of you will complain. So I thought better of that, because there's more things that are important for us to accomplish today than for Jim to stand here for 25 minutes and, and share with you. But there are some particular things that I did want to share with you this morning, and a couple of things that I want us to do as part of our life together as a church before we conclude our worship services today. When you think about um, all the things that go on in life, one of the things that we as humans are constantly a part of and maybe resist a little bit is that dreaded word, change, right? The thing that is constantly out there and the thing that is constantly a part of the world around us and part of our lives that we have, for the most part, absolutely zero control over, right? As much as we try to control it, change happens change goes on. I've come to a point in my life where I'm more happy with the, the stable, the normal, the, the, not necessarily the status quo, but I like a little bit of stability in my life. Amen? Any of you at that point in your lives, you've had enough change over the years, you're a little bit more happy with the stable of things and what's going on around you and the things that are just more normative to you. Which is kind of interesting, and maybe it's predicated on my journey myself and some of the things that I've experienced that I've gotten to this point in my life now where I want a little bit more stability. I started adding up and thinking about my parents and all the times my parents moved when I was a kid. By the time I got to the middle of the fifth grade year, my parents had moved ten times. Right? Now I'm the oldest of five kids, and they had moved all five of us kids around during that ten-year period of time. They bought a house out in Grandview. That was their first house that they bought, and we lived there for, they lived there for many, many years. I finished high school out in Grandview. Stayed in that house with them for a couple of years, and then went off to school in Springfield for a year, went back, and then in 1982, as you guys all know, I got into the service, spent 10 years in the service. I moved six times in the 10 years that I was in the service. I was getting used to moving, right? I moved 16 times. And then when I got out of the service, came back to Kansas City, and you'd think I'd have had enough of moving. But I moved eight more times since I've lived here in Kansas City, right? And then all the different things regarding career changes, because, you know, this is not my first career. I was in the service. I was in the business world. In the early, late 1990s, went into ministry, and for the last 19 years, we've been in ministry. You would have thought the change would have stopped when I got into ministry. Any of you know the Methodist system? All right. All right. All the changes that have transpired. We've been part of five congregations in the last 19 years, and we've moved 
several times. Margaret and I have moved several times in the last 19 years, which is much different for her than it is for me, right? I, I've got all this moving experience down. I'm like a pro at it, right? I can move anywhere, anytime, Lord, send me. Not my loving wife. She moved from Lawrence as a small child to Overland Park, and then when she got near high school age, her parents moved out to Lee Summit, and she stayed in Lee Summit for the next 30 years of her life. When we got sent to Liberty, it was like pulling her kicking and screaming to move to Liberty. It was a tough change for her because she wasn't as used to moving as I was. You think about the changes that have transpired in your life, right? They say, psychologists say that normally most systems, you being a system or your family being a system, can't handle more than one major life change in an 18-month period of time. Major life changes are like moving your household, getting a new job, the death of someone important in your family, your children moving out and going off to college. Those are the the kinds of major life shifts that happen to us, life changes, and we can only handle so many of those in such a period of time. And yet we as the church, as a system, we are embracing and we're facing change. Change in some various ways, within our own mix, within our context. People that we love are leaving us. And that's a hard change to embrace. And yet it's part of the nature of the church. It's part of who we are as a community, that we're not stable and static for for now until perpetuity or when God's kingdom comes. Things are going to change around here. They have changed in the past. I'm not your first pastor, right? I'm not. I wasn't born in 1950. I was born later than that. So I haven't been your first pastor, and I won't be the last pastor of St. John's. (laughs) Knock on wood, right? Things are going to change. We're in the midst of that right now. And yet, we have to know that God is with us and in the midst of this change. You think about Paul and Barnabas and their journey, right? There's two men that in the book of Acts they talk about as men that are part of a community in Antioch. Most of us know Paul's journey, right? He was a great persecutor of the church. He was trying to figure out how to wipe out the Christian movement that was early on because he thought that was faithful duty to Judaism. And then he meets Christ on the road to Damascus. And he has this epiphany, this revelation in that experience. And it changes and alters the course of his life to where now instead of persecuting the church, he becomes the great person that is about spreading Christianity and the church. He becomes the great witness for it. He's in Antioch along with Barnabas. And there are faithful men who have been fasting and they have been praying for a period of time. And the Spirit begins to move in the middle of that space that they've created. And in that space, the Spirit says, anoint Paul and Barnabas and send them forth. Send them away from your community to go in mission to the world, to share the gospel. And we know that Paul and Barnabas and many others journeyed for many years to take the word of God to the Mediterranean region and to share the gospel with many communities, to establish new churches and new communities, and then to revitalize, to express and and build life into these communities as well. But notice when you read the scripture, 
It doesn't say that Paul and Barnabas decide this all on their own. They didn't just pick up their bags and decide on their own, you know, we're done with Antioch, it's time to move on. And it wasn't the community of faith just saying, you know, Paul and Barnabas, we've had enough of you. Maybe it's time for you to go. Instead, it's the movement of the Holy Spirit. It is the work of God present among them. It is God moving and shaking and making significant change. We're making a significant change. I've told several people around the church, as your pastor, as Jim Hoffman, I am liked by almost all of you. And I recognize that, right? But when it comes to Allie and David and Iris and Bryn, they are loved by every single one of you. You get the distinction? I'll move someday, and you guys all anticipate that. But when someone like Allie and her family moves... It's not anticipated. It's a little gut-wrenching. It's emotional for all of us. And yet, it is God moving. As I told you all in the announcement, God has opened a door for them. God is making a new path for them, a new way for them. And you know what? God's opening a door for us as well. I'm going to invite Allie and David to come forward, along with Bren and Iris. They may not know this, but they're going to come up and participate in worship as well. So come on, Williams family. In your worship guide, you will see at the bottom of page 8, a commissioning of Allie and her family. This is a participatory event as well, so I would encourage you to turn to those pages if you would. I'm going to invite you guys to come right up here, and if you'll face the congregation for me. Dear friends, as we take part in this celebration of blessing and commissioning, we are reliving a practice of the early church. We read in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit set apart Saul and Barnabas for the work of mission at the church in Antioch after fasting and praying. They laid hands on them, and they sent them out. The early church eagerly sent its members to other peoples to assist those who were already of the household of faith and those who did not believe in Christ. And so today, we are sending Allie, David, Iris, and Bryn Williams to serve the needs of the universal church through their ministry in their new community and their new church. This act of commissioning and sending is intended to strengthen the bonds we maintain with them and with a faith-filled United Methodist community to which they are going. And the prayers that we offer are an expression of the ties that bind us together in the larger body of Christ. So the Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us blend our voices together in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hardwood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit, that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you. For the honor of your name, amen. We bless you, O God, and we give you all the praise and glory. And we ask you to bless these, your servants, 
Fill their hearts with the power of your Holy Spirit and send them forth as messengers of salvation and peace in your name, marked with the sign of cross of the cross and anchored in your grace. So David, I commission you to take the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ into your new community in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And Iris, I commission you to take the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ into your new community. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bryn, I commission you also to take the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ into your community. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Allie, it's my privilege to commission you as you take the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ into your new community. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So David, Ali, Iris, and Bryn, we pray that you go in grace and in peace, and that you go knowing the blessings of God always, and may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and the love of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the blessing of God be with you and remain with you always, friends. Amen. So a small token of our appreciation to each of you. It's a little certificate of recognition. I'm going to read Allie's. Her and David's is the same. It says, Certificate of Recognition. This certificate is presented to Allie Williams for five years of dedicated and faithful service, not only to God, but also to St. John's United Methodist Church. May God's richest blessings be upon you for your journey. I'll give you yours. David, yours is the same. I'll give you yours. And Iris and Brands is a little bit different. I'll read Iris's for you. Iris simply says, This is to certify that Iris Williams has been recognized as a St. John's United Methodist Church superstar. <laughs> Thank you for five years of your dedicated and faithful service to God and St. John's, and may God's richest blessings be upon you and your journey. Says the same for both you, Iris, and for you, Bryn, as well. You know, one of the things about being a preacher's kid is, is you spend an awful lot of time around the church. And you know what? We need to recognize them because they've been up here just as much as their mom and all that they've done. And David, David's behind the scenes a lot and does a lot and never gets much credit for it because we always see Allie. But David, thank you so much for your faithful service as well. I sent a note this week to Drew Brott, and I warned him that I was going to uh, read from his father's book this week. He said, man, that's okay. His, his father, um, Byron, is a retired United Methodist pastor, and his dad and parents live out in Maryland area. They've been here a number of times to visit Drew and his family. They've been here a few times during my ministry here at St. John's, and his dad was kind enough to share with me his book titled Offerings. And it's small little snippets, small little short stories. And there's one in particular that I want to share with you real quick. And the title of it simply is Too Short. Life is short. 
Life is very short. With vivid imagery, the psalmist reminds us of the brevity of all earthly life. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like the flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. Life is so short that it must determine the way we live. Life is too short to work at a job you do not enjoy or that is not fulfilling. Life is too short to sit indoors when the leaves in October are full of color or the dogwood is blossoming in the springtime or the crepe myrtle is blooming in midsummer. Life is too short not to hang a bird feeder in the backyard and fill it with bird seed. Life is too short not to take a bag of groceries to the local food closet or bring a sandwich and a cup of coffee to the homeless man who sleeps under the bridge. Life is too short as you come and go from your home each evening not to look up at the stars. Life is too short to make your bed every day. Life is too short. Kids are going to use that one on their parents. Life is too short to eat yogurt when ice cream is being offered. Life is too short not to give your grandchildren... Uh, the opportunity to be present at their soccer game, and at the end of it to say you played a good game, even when their team lost 8-0. to nil. Life is too short not to play in the surf at Ocean City at least once a season and tour a foreign country at least once in a lifetime. Life is too short not to get up in the dark of night, to stand on a wind-chilled beach on Easter morning, and at the first rays of light brighten as they brighten the far horizon, sing with all your heart. Christ the Lord is risen today. Life is too short not to lend a helping hand, not to speak a word of encouragement, not to be forgiven, not to fall on your knees and say, thank you. Most of all, life is too short not to love. Because without love, we are nothing. Life is too short not to give it. I think we have received as a congregation all the love that Allie and her family and all the love that Nancy could have possibly given in their time here. And so life is too short for us to hold them back from what God has next for them. And congregation, life is too short for us to be anxious and worried about what God has next for us. Let's just embrace it Step into the change and know that God will be with us as God sends forth our dear friends. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.